Welcome to Great Minds, a wine-centric podcast where two wine-loving friends take a look beyond what is in the glass. We dig a little deeper into the stories and the culture and the history behind the wine, and we even drink a little bit of wine while we're doing it. I'm Gina Birch. And this week, we're getting ready for Thanksgiving. Can you believe it's already here? No. We've been praying for the end of this year all year. (laughs) I know, Like, I think since January. (laughs) Anyway, I'm Julie Glenn. Thanksgiving's a holiday centered around food, and where there is food, there has got to be wine. Amen, sister. Uh Uh-huh. Preaching the good word (laughs) of wine with the food. While that does sound simple, it sometimes can be anything but. It can get a little complex. Some Thanksgiving tables are very specific as far as food, but it tends to be a free-for-all for for most folks. Indeed it is. And, you know, many of my Italian friends serve lasagna. Others will be smoking their brisket when they're smoking their turkeys and throw that on the table. And, you know, everybody has a favorite side dish from the green bean and squash casseroles to uh, sweet potatoes, deviled eggs, stuffings that have um, celery or oysters or sausage, really almost anything in it. It makes a, a perfect wine pairing perfectly impossible. And maybe that's why my table usually has a bunch of open bottles and I have several glasses in front of me. That's <laughs> always an optimal I know, idea. Right? I love it. But is there one kind of wine that you could not live without on Thanksgiving? What would that one be that you just, oh. you know, like I can't even go on? That's that's really tough, Julie. I mean, because a one time I would say rosé, like a really nice big rosé, and then it's got to be bubbles. And I, I think right now for me, it's a it's a Pinot Noir. Really, Pinot yeah. Noir is your your uh, gotta have it on I, Thanksgiving. I can't think of not having it. There are other wines that I want also, but Pinot. I'm kind of in a Pinot and mode right now. I guess. I think this year what I'm going to try to do. I mean, it's only like me, my husband, and daughter because you know COVID. We're not getting right. together with anybody. But what I think I'm going to do is try to keep one bottle of bubbles really cold um, for in between courses. That's a great idea. I'm going to do that as like a pilot cleanse. Mm-hmm. So that would be the one that I probably could not exist without. So when you say bubbles, because, you know, that's a range too, or you're going to have something on the more uh, delicate, like like a like a Prosecco that has a little more sweetness, or do you want something more yeasty and like a like a, a champagne? Or? I'm going to do yeasty. I'm going to do yeah. yeasty because it'll be like the dinner roll. Exactly. Exactly. I love it. I'm excited. I don't really make good dinner rolls. I'm, like, I'm not a bread gal. <laughs> I might crash your party <laughs> <laughs> now that I know what you're serving. Yeah. When we go into the white wines, though, there's an entire gamut to uh, select from. And we have one in front of us that I've heard a lot of sommeliers kind of point to this one as a Thanksgiving wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a Viognier, correct? Yes, Viognier. Uh, the one we have in our glass is from Eberly. And uh, Viognier is a Rhone varietal. Just give you a little background of somebody's like, oh, I think I've heard of that, but I'm not sure. And some of the best in the world come from the northern Rhone, which is in southern France. Now, Gary Eberly, the one that we're drinking, is um, in Paso Robles. And he's considered a pioneer in that area. Was he one of the Rhone Rangers? He, yes. And, and, and so he makes a lot of... <laughs> I just love, I love saying Rhone too. Rangers. <laughs> And he's got Syrah, and he's got the blends that are Rhone, Rhone blends that have Grenache and all that in there. And, and Viognier is one that he makes. Um, this one is, uh, I guess when, you, when I think of Viognier, I think of something that's got a little bit of an oily characteristic. I think of something that's very aromatic. Super that floral. Has, yes, floral. Maybe has like the stone fruit, like peach 
and those types of things in there, which you would think would go well with food, right? It's not quite as big around as a Chardonnay, but it has some of that body, typically speaking. I know every wine, mm-hmm. every one is made different. But um, let's see what this one is from, from California and from the Central Coast. All right. All right. So it smells a little petrol to mm-hmm. me. Smells like it's going to be really lean. It doesn't smell as floral as some that I have had. Oh, dang. Yeah. That girl ain't kidding on the acidity. Wow. This is my first sip of wine of the day, too, so my palate is not primed. <laughs> I'm awake. And it's just hit me like a, like cold water in the face. And you may not believe it, but it's not 7.30 a.m. It's Mm-mm. actually later in the afternoon. Now, so. I do get some peach on the palate. I get a little pineapple. Mm-hmm. It is super acidic. Wow. Yeah, this is great for the fatty stuff. This will cut right through your gravy. Mm. That is for sure. And this is under $30. I think it's $26, $27. Eberly, mm-hmm. if you find it, almost everything that they do at that vineyard is, is good. And if you can, if you see it on the shelves, I recommend it. Yeah, it's not on every shelf either. Mm-mm. It's not, you know. And Viognier is not something you find on every shelf. I know. So many people leave so little shelf space for this varietal. But it is... This is a really good, I think this would be a great Thanksgiving dinner addition. Generally speaking, it's. I think it's a, an alternative to Chardonnay because um, mm-hmm. it has that roundness. So I, I personally am not a big Chardonnay fan for Thanksgiving unless it's something really clean and acidic like the Chateau Montalena, which we'll be talking about later, or maybe one from Oregon. That's just my, my yeah. taste personally. I agree. You don't need uh, anything competing with the stars that you slaved over for hours to get on that table mm-hmm. for everybody. But... Um, and this one's also just fun to say because it ends with the word yay. I'm not going to get into <laughs> yay, the um, yay. entomology of <laughs> vino yay, but I'm thinking that's where it came from. Although, you know, I'm not I think an expert. So. I like that. I like how you're how you're breaking down the word, though. Yeah. So, you know, when we're talking about different whites, um, like the Viognier, Riesling is another one that I think is really good at uh, Thanksgiving table, a dry Riesling. And I think not a lot your, of... Not your grandma's Liebfermilch. Nope, nope. And we've no. talked about this, about this before. I think Rieslings are misunderstood. They're judged. A lot of people just think of the sweet, uh, cloying Rieslings. And mm-hmm. that's just... When they're made nice, like the ones at Chateau Montalena, who we just were able to talk to with the winemaker, Matt Crafton, about. What are you going to put on your Thanksgiving table? Are you going to have some Riesling on there? That's coming up, isn't it? I know, uh, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Riesling is, is, a, is a mainstay every year, and um, it's funny. We actually we, we bottle up a couple of a couple of cases and magnums for the staff here, and so it's always <laughs> a, a magnum of Riesling that goes on the table at my house. And then um, the Zinfandel is always really popular because that's kind of a Swiss Army knife of red wine that goes with everything, and whether you're vegetarian or not, or into turkey, or having cipino, whatever it is, yeah. uh, our Zinfandel is really, uh, it's quite outstanding when it comes to food pairings, because it's not super high alcohol, it's more red fruit driven, it's softer, a little bit more lush, and it's, uh, it's a great wine from that standpoint. Now, Matt mentioned Zinfandel, and I think it's one of the most underserved and maybe underrated red wines for Thanksgiving. It's also an all-American variety, or at least it was believed to be so for years until DNA profiling linked the variety to Primitivo in Puglia and further back to an ancient grape that I cannot pronounce from Croatia. I'll give you $5 if you try. <laughs> uh, Tribidrag, yeah. I think. I know that the end of it was drag. Yeah. See, that maybe that's why you don't want to pronounce it, because like, yay, it was the yay. We don't yay. want to have a... 
grape that ends in drag. Nothing needs to be a drag, although good drag queens are never a drag. <laughs> That's always a good time. That's always good. But I tell you what, that Riesling from Chateau Montalena is the bomb. It's mm-hmm. just a beautiful one, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's fabulous. Going and I back- really want a magnum of it, but they only do it for their staff. I'm going to go get a job. How, how do we see you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an intern. I'm new. So you'd ask me earlier about what wine that I can't do without on Thanksgiving, and I said Pinot Noir, and I have one. We have one in our glass right now from Han Estate. That's in the Santa Lucia Highlands. Uh, so SLH is what it's commonly referred to. It's in California's Central Coast. It's in Monterey County, and we have one from the Doctor's Vineyard. This is a, a state-grown, and when we talk about Thanksgiving wines, I also like to think about you know, the holiday itself, and we're celebrating the bounty of the earth, we're giving gratitude and thanks for for everything. And Han really does pay attention to the earth. They uh, are really, they're certified sustainable. They go over and beyond trying to leave a small carbon footprint and take care of the land. And I think it does come across in, in the wines. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. And um, they've, they've had a long time commitment to that. And that's the kind of thing that it takes to get your uh, land clean after um, whatever years of misuse may have occurred before you got the land. But um, they've been working this for a very uh, long time, and they've taken great pains to make things as clean as they can be, as sustainable, and it, it kind of shows in the quality of the wine. Now, they don't make a small amount. They make a, a fair amount of wine, so you can find them around. Generally speaking, now this one, the Lucian, this is their, This is another tier of um, wine. So yeah, they've got several tiers of wine within the family. The Han family wines you can find pretty readily. The Lucian, I think this was a little over a thousand cases of the doctor's vineyard. It's in the $50 range. Mm-hmm. Um, and wow, it's a little, get some cherry in there, yeah. get some uh, salinity, maybe a little savory notes in the in the back of your mouth. I haven't tasted it yet. I've still got my nose in the glass. Like I know it smells good, right? I know. <laughs> Give me a minute. I need to be alone. Mm. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's a mouthful of a Pinot Noir, which is what you would come to expect from California. It being a different, you know, world mm-hmm. than, for example, Oregon or Burgundy, which I don't think anybody can afford anymore anyway. No, and I'm just tasting the turkey with it right now, the dark meat with this. And a little bit of cranberry cranberry action on that bite. Mm. Yeah, I'm hungry now. (laughs) So, you know, when we're talking about Pinot Noir, it it really is, we call it the heartbreak grape, right? The, The skins are so delicate, and there's so many things that can go wrong with it. This one comes from a slightly warmer climate, so the fruit gets a little more ripe. And I can taste that in this, some cherry notes and um, taste. It's not as like underripe and fresh. It's a little more, not stewy, but it's a little more, I don't know, juicy? Yeah. Well, the difference between a cherry that's not quite ready and a cherry that's totally perfectly ready, but has not yet been baked into a pie. Right. It's in in the process of it. Um, I think Pinots from California, generally speaking, compared to Oregon, are a little more fruity. Than earthy, Oregon mm-hmm. tends to be a little more earthy. Would you say? Yeah, that's true? I agree, and I'm not getting a, any like that whole forest floor kind of mushroomy thing. Mm-mm. That tends not to be the case when it comes to California. You get a little bit of it, but Smidge. you don't. It, it's not like a sweaty socks or like you said mushrooms and that forest floor that I think is indicative to Oregon. And there's some beautiful pinots from Oregon. Archery Summit is one of them, and I was actually able to catch up with the winemaker last. Thanksgiving, Ian Birch, um, he was 
in our area, and it was when we were able to sit down and sit elbow to elbow and toast and drink before the world went crazy. Mm -hmm. And we talked about why those wines from Oregon, which is how we just discussed them, are so good for Thanksgiving. There's this sort of sauvage uh, identity, I think, that Oregon wines have. And I think they go really well with you know, a lot of, like, a lot of spice. You know, you've got um, allspice, uh, a lot of Italian spice. You know, they also work really well with, like, Moroccan spice. But, I mean, surprisingly, too, I think people underestimate how, how great uh, Oregon Pinot goes with curries. Okay. Yeah. So I, th- I didn't think about that until you just said that. Just all those different um, spice components, mm-hmm. you know, tend to tend to go really well. It's always lighter body too, mm-hmm. um, and I'd say a lot of organ pinots tend to be more on the acidic side, so they they tend to cut through and accompany, right. you know, a lot of different things. He's talking about curry with Pinot Noir. That is something I, like you said, never would have thought of, but that's a darn good idea. Yeah, I've been contemplating it since then, and. <laughs> He was uh, talking about curry at the Thanksgiving table, and while it is a quintessentially American holiday, um, Thanksgiving, it also, you know, America being a land of immigrants, there could be curry. There could be any number of different international cuisines represented, especially now that people's mm-hmm. tastes are, are really expanding. I have not heard more about shashuka in my life than I have <laughs> in the last uh, six months, so... And he mentioned the Italian, which we talked about earlier. You know, my family's part Italian, and and we like to have lasagna. We don't do it at Thanksgiving. We save that for Christmas. But um, I could see where, you know, some of those flavors, now that he's really made me open my mind to mm-hmm. to that, would work. And I'm going to maybe be a little more creative with what I drink Pinot with now. Yeah, but be careful what spices you use. True. Ian had a hilarious <laughs> story about a Thanksgiving Day fail so let's share that one one year my brother was making mashed potatoes and uh we're in like my little small house in in salem and uh he's like he he reached up and and grabbed this corona bottle he he thought it was full of uh, a pepper but back in the day i used to collect sand in corona bottles from places I, I worked, and he, he poured sand into the mashed potatoes. <laughs> were, How does that taste? I, it is the funny part. I didn't need any, but my family was so kind. Everybody put a little dollop on <laughs> ate a little bit. So I make sure that we we have no sand in bottles around the kitchen yeah. just in case. That's but awesome. And I, I mean, just from that alone, I think I should be taking over the mashed potatoes this year. I'm just saying. So have you ever had any? <laughs> That's really funny. I love that. Have I you haven't ha- put sand in my mashed potatoes, <laughs> but I also don't collect sand. I want to ask more about, really? You collected sand? I've collected some rocks before from places, but yeah, not but sand. sand. Oh, maybe it's like a terroir thing. Yeah, he said you know? from places he worked, and I guess that'd be kind of I cool if you're in touch with the earth. And well, everybody's got a kitchen disaster story during the holidays, and I had one where I tried to make the iconic green bean casserole completely from scratch. Oh, because I've well, always got to be smarty extra pants. over the top mm-hmm. Martha Stewart all the time. Come to find out, uh, one needs greater skills than I happen so, to possess. So, hold on. When you say from scratch, do you mean like you made the cream of mushroom soup from scratch? Yes, but <laughs> it's okay, not easy it. to condense that no. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it was basically really good cream of mushroom soup with some undercooked green beans floating oh, in it. Oh, <laughs> floating? Yeah. They literally floating. And then, I, and then I threw some uh, of those French's fried onion rings from a can. I didn't actually fry onion rings. I was not that crazy. I was going to say, come on now, if you're really doing it from scratch, yeah, I didn't get, get that, that mandolin one. out. and It was really disappointing, but it, it tasted good, but it was not correct. Mm. 
I don't know how they condense soup. What do they do? Evaporate it or just they they can't boil it down because your cream's going to curl. Cornstarch. Well, then it just tastes like cornstarch. Mm. You know. Let's get a chef on next time. We're going to have to ask about about that. Sauces and and those types of things. It caused me great pain because it was not like it was a quick thing that I did. It's causing me pain for you. I know. It's I very feel sad. for you. You know, we're talking about uh, Thanksgiving, a time when we we give gratitude and and giving back and and those types of things. So I thought during this show would be a good time to mention dough wines. I recently did a, a virtual tasting. Dough being like bread dough, D O U G H. It was hosted by. Uh, coincidentally, Laura McIntosh, and she's the host of the PBS show, Bringing It Home. And what what this project is, is a collaboration with the James Beard Foundation, and it's their first wine brand. It benefits the restaurant recovery, equality in the kitchen, and food sustainability, all the things that the James Beard Foundation uh, it stands behind. And so they've got Heidi Bridgenhagen, and she's with McCrosty Winery, I believe, and the whole Distinguished Vineyard and Wine Partners, which is a group of uh, wineries that include McCrosty and Markham and Argyle and, and, and those. And what they did was they came together, they got a, a, a panel of chefs, and they used their taste. They're like, okay, as a chef, what kind of wine is going to go best with food. It's great that we have these single vineyards and it's great that we have this, this, and this, and these really highly beautifully crafted wines, but are they really going to go with food in a restaurant and go with a, a range of things? And that's why how these wines were formed. So there's a Saw Blanc from the North Coast, a Chardonnay from Sonoma and Monterey counties. They're both retailing for around 19 bucks. There's a Pinot from Oregon and a Cab from the North Coast of California, both around 22 bucks. And you can find these in uh, in restaurants and I think in stores. And they were made to be food friendly, and all of them were. I mean, none of them were like. Uh, super stood out in any way, or, or they, they had the nice acid, they had the fruit, they were perfectly balanced. So if you see those dough wines, pick them up and also know that you are benefiting, uh, you know, the James Beard Foundation. You're giving back. They're giving back. Mm-hmm. And I really like the labels of these wines that are coming from Washington's Columbia Coast. It's a wine called Be Human. And it's from the Aquilini family. I'm pouring it now. They have a number of labels, but this one really struck us for Thanksgiving and, frankly, for the times that we're living in right now. <laughs> it's called Be Human. They have this big campaign for people to uh, send in selfies and pictures of themselves with their Be Human wine and their Thanksgiving table. It's a hashtag Be Human kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I, I love the website. I thought it was really nice. Tons uh, of diversity and a lot of representation on that website. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. And I love what um, what the winemaker said, Joshua uh, Mallory. He said, uh, I feel like making wine brings joy to the world. It's a small thing, but it makes me feel like I'm a human being or being human. Okay. And it's just... It's a feel-good kind of wine. So now we're going to see if it's also a taste-good. But it's also not preachy. It's not like, you know, be kind and... Yeah. Extra so, self-help, which I think we've – I get the message, but I've heard it enough. I'm being kind. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like all in my face all the time. Well, this one, this brand, they make a Merlot, and they make a blend. And we are tasting the blend right now, and it's a blend of uh, 44% Cab, 37% Merlot, 16% Malbec, and 3% Cab Franc. And uh, this retails for around seventeen dollars. Mm-hmm. And does that smell like uh, cologne to you? Not really cologne, but mm, it does smell nice. It does kind of have a little. Yes, 
Now that you said that in the back, like just a little hint yeah, of like a, a little, like someone you want to you want to bury your head in their chest and go, mm, yeah, like right in the nape good. of their neck, like right, right in there. Yeah, mm, let me smell you a little more. You definitely get some <laughs> red kind fruit. Of a dude smell for sure. <laughs> it is not sweaty sock dude smell, mm. but like. So the Merlot, um, we haven't tried that yet, but this one I thought blends make sense. You asked me at the beginning of the show what wine I could not do without for Thanksgiving. Yeah. And I would definitely put blends up in there because blends have a little bit of everything and they're really well balanced. They've got a, generally speaking, have a lot of flavors and you think about the blend of food on your table, the blend of people sitting around the table. Why not have a red blend? It just really makes sense to me. Yeah. I I have to agree. Red blends are usually a pretty good crowd pleaser too. Mm. Um, This one is kind of spicy. And it it is. I get that. I can taste the Cab Franc. Yeah. You get a little of the veggie. Vegetal. Cab Franc kind of situation. That is Malbec. Is Cab Franc in there? Is, mm-hmm. It's mm. not much. Only 3%. Mm. I get that Malbec with a little violets. That mm-hmm. full flavor of a Malbec. Nice fruit a great of the one. Merlot. If, if you're going lamb, that'd be a great one. This would... T- oh, yes. And so this goes back to what we were talking about with a lot of the, the herbaceousness of the foods, the stuffings. Um, those types of things. Yeah, that this you're would be serving. great with the stuffing, mm. but I could really see this putting up a good fight against some spicy stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm. I like that. It's a nice new find for us. A new find. And we but, just opened it. I can tell it's going to definitely. Um, it'll even chill. It'll I, relax. I think I would decant this. Yeah, it probably needs it's a little, a little bit of time. tight. But um, and that's another thing when you're talking about for for wines at your table if you've got these younger ones 18 19 20 even 17 it might behoove you to go ahead and decant yeah, them don't and, be shy about opening those dudes up and let them get a little air yeah but on the flip side of that if you're going to open up an oldie think uh, twice about it be careful open it try it see how you feel but sometimes they're pretty fragile fragile and they'll fall apart real quick depending on their age and of course how they're made but also note on red wine make sure you put a little chill on it just a smidge know. Yeah, because um, if it's too warm, all you're going to taste is the alcohol, and you're going to miss the subtle nuances. Let it warm up in the glass. Don't mm-hmm. serve it warm. Start with a little chill. Not talking cold, like no. Yeah, my friend, uh, you know Rose Odell King. Yes. she gave me the pointer. Pop it in the fridge and set your kitchen timer for 20 minutes, mm-hmm. and you're good to go. And the kitchen timer is critical because you don't want to forget it, and then you have like a ice cold, you know, cab that's yeah. gross. But um. Yeah, that's a good pointer. And then with the whites, I like to do that with the whites in the freezer and set your timer. Yes, for exactly. For 20, 25 minutes. And if you don't set that timer, you could end up accidentally forgetting something in the freezer, which is even worse because then it blows <laughs> <Explodes>. up. Explodes. <laughs> that's the worst. You get oh little glass particles yeah. all over the freezer. I, I have like remnants of bottles past <laughs> like embedded in the bottom of my freezer. I don't want to talk about yeah, it. We won't, we won't talk about that Sorry. right now. Oh, and you know what? At the end of the day... We all we all would really hope to have a perfectly set table and a perfect food pairings, but there's never there's nothing perfect about 2020. And let's be honest, there's really very rarely anything perfect about a holiday dinner, even in the best of times. So go with it. Bring the wines that you like. Try to be creative and 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 also serve some of the wines that we talked about, like a like a Riesling or a Viognier or some of these blends, and and have fun. It's a we great, all need it's some a great fun. time to try something new, mm-hmm. you know, because you got all kinds of food you can pair it with. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think we did a nice little tour of the West Coast wines for us all to try. You know, during the holidays, I think of things to be grateful for mm-hmm. and. 
it's express gratitude, like I think we all are doing today, rather than focusing on the negative of, of this season, focus on the positive. And There's a lot of positive. Yeah. First I'm grateful all, for you, Julie here. Glenn. I'm grateful to be alive. I'm grateful for my friend Gina. Yeah. Ching, ching. Ting. Call your friends and family. Tell them you love them. Tell them you're grateful for them. And enjoy whatever's in front of you on the table, even if it's overcooked or maybe not undercooked. You should push that to the side. Even if it's dry turkey. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, not undercooked turkey. That's bad. Mm. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, don't serve your turkey rare, Mm -mm. but definitely serve wine. Great Minds is produced at WGCU Studios on FGCU campus in Fort Myers, Florida. Our producer for online media is Tara Calligan. Great Minds theme music is from Kansas City band Victor and Penny. The song is You'd Be So Nice to Come Home To by Cole Porter. To get in touch with us, check greatminds.org. Or you can call the Grapeline and ask a wine question that we can address on a future show. That number is 707-200-3632. Thanks for listening. You can wear it.